to the Sage Hill Podcast on Addiction with Dr. Chip Dodd and Phil Herndon. This is a new weekly podcast recorded at the Center for Professional Excellence. Hey everybody, welcome back in the Sage Hill Podcast. Glad you're with us today. This is Phil Herndon along with Chip Dodd. Hello, Chip. Hey, Phil. We, uh, we've been in this series on addiction, recovery. Yeah. Uh, last time we talked about the APGAR, you know, we crave, we're craving human beings. And mm-hmm. today I'm... I'm frankly going to let you explain this because the, the name of this one, named by you, is a Just Keep Swimming. And you, see, <laughs> it, it, you set me up again. Yeah. You know, this is the second take on this thing. Yeah. So so basically, Phil says, if it's not witty or funny, right. it's my idea. And if we do a third, I'm going to do it again. If it goes over really well, it was you. Full credit. <laughs> Just Keep Swimming. It comes from uh, Character and, and Finding Nemo, which came out 16 years ago. But, I mean, almost everyone who's alive knows of the movie. And most people know the reference to Just Keep Swimming from Dory. Dory is a character in the movie that is significantly uh, cognitively impaired, would you say? Yeah. Did you see it? Uh, short-term memory loss, for short-term sure. Short-term memory loss, yeah. for sure. And, uh, but one thing she continues to say that she herself never forgets is Just Keep Swimming. Uh-huh. which is what we're going to talk about today is go ahead and dare to just keep hoping and that even when it goes against all of our cognitive capacities, do you know? And by the way, while we're on that, uh, Einstein is referred to have said that the gray matter or the thinking brain, frontal lobe, actually is gray uh, meaning that it in of itself doesn't have any personality. that And we make the pan-cognitive error that thinking that just because we can think it and because we can reason, that is sort of all there is and the answer to every problem. Dory's telling us that um, Dory compared to Einstein. <laughs> wow. I'm being funny. <laughs> <laughs> sure are. <laughs> that what she says is that hope is in us and we really uh, have to go through a whole lot of gymnastics to attempt to get away from it. Mm-hmm. And she is so impaired that she can't stop it from being a part of her. Just like we talked about the APGAR, we come into life hoping. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of that eternal flame within us that doesn't give up on wishing that life were a certain way. And it doesn't stop no matter what we do to stop it. It's more powerful than we are, frankly. Yeah, True. You think that's true? I do think it's okay. true. Yes, more powerful than we are, for sure. Well, it's kind of crazy. It's more powerful than we are, but what are we talking about comparing it to, except that it's more powerful than we are, meaning that we will attempt to stop it, mm-hmm. but there's something in us more powerful than our attempts. Mm-hmm. So that cognitive capacity, our past experiences, uh, the illogical matter of hope when all seems lost, yet we continue to sort of cling and we cling for a reason. And where, where hope has been affirmed, we cling even harder. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you introduced me to an experiment from, uh, I believe the uh, scientist's last name was Hoffer? It was uh, Kurt Richter. Kurt Richter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hoffer. You know, Hoffer. You know, Hoffer. Hoffer Richter. You know, looking for Nemo, finding Nemo, Nemo, oh, you know. 
Einstein, Dory, you know. Hey, enjoy this thing, look right? behind the scenes, folks. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so there, there was an experiment. Um, Johns Hopkins performed in the 1950s. It's really kind of a gruesome deal. Like, I don't think this would happen now. I, I think that it would not be allowed <laughs> today. It's kind of rough. So here's here's the kind of the bottom Precursor line. Precursor to the, uh, the the electric box of the shocking uh, yeah, the, animals. Yeah, that us old heads looked at in, yeah. in experimental psych yeah. in grad school days. So. This John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins professor, Kurt Richter, did this experiment in the 50s. He took domesticated rats and wild rats. So the mm-hmm. first group, he, uh, he got these domesticated rats, and he, he took one of them and, and put it in a big container of water. Plopped and, it. And, and watched it drown. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, swam around the surface and then dove to the bottom, lasted two minutes uh-huh. before it died. Uh, two more of the 12, so three total, same exact thing, much the same way. Nine of these domesticated rats, mm-hmm. the, the the tame ones, so to speak, uh-huh. swam literally for days before they gave up. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So then he took these wild rats. He took them off the streets, the out, tough of, guys. out of trash cans. Survivors. You know? uh, he the the study quotes that they were recently trapped and were quote fierce and aggressive. Yeah. One at a time, we dropped them in the water, and uh, within just a few minutes of being in the water. All 34 of them died. Just the opposite of what we would tend to think. Yeah, you'd think the pampered, tame, domesticated mm-hmm. ones would, you know, wouldn't because they're soft. They wouldn't uh-huh. last. Man, these street guys. Those that eat well and can depend upon the meal and trust and uh, are connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Richter is like, what, what's the deal? He expected what you and I were talking about. Uh-huh. Why did these fierce ones, you know, die promptly, pretty much promptly when they hit the water? And uh, only a small number of the, the tame ones did. And he, his, this is a quote, the answer in his own words, hope. Yeah. He said, uh, um, you know, went on to, with some other stuff, and I've got a study in front of me here. Uh, but he said this, he said what he, what he did that wasn't mentioned earlier is with these domesticated uh, mice, rats, he took them out of the water for just a few minutes, mm-hmm. took them out just, just a few minutes, uh, right at the time he would have thought they would have died um, and put him back in the water. And he said, he quotes again and says, the rats quickly learned that the situation is actually not hopeless at all and that this small interlude made a huge difference. Um, he said, after the elimination of hopelessness, the rats do not die. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, um, and you yeah. had a... You, you had a, a, a the last statement here gets right back to to Dory. Get this: uh, we all need a reason to keep swimming. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's where I, I I connected this these things that didn't seem to be connected. When I read that experiment you had shown me, I thought, well, that's Dory. Uh-huh. Just keep swimming. Uh huh. And it's like that rat experiment show. We we humans we're not rats, but we cannot get away from hope. Yeah, and you know that that's so amazing too because we we you know you and I have both been uh, attempted to be tough guys. We're survivors, understandable uh, sort of a structure to take on because uh, pain seems to be uh, our past experiences seem to show that uh, weakness is related to admission of need or admission mm-hmm. of feelings or admission of uh, of having uh, experienced loss and pain. So. You know, we tend to think that the survivor is the strong one, but it turns out the thriver is the one that's connected to oneself. Mm-hmm. In other words, has faced hope, doesn't run from it, and it faces that even when it seems foolish, it's still there. And those same thrivers also, we find, are connected to 
others that they have a sense that something might come and rescue them, that there's a place to go or a thing to wait on. And they also tend to believe on some level, cling on some level to that there just might be some kind of God that is involved in our daily affairs. It reminds you know? me of that little parable you tell about the, the boy digging through the horse manure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So you want me to tell that? Uh, yeah. Okay. So the, I'm going to kind of introduce that yeah. and go, hey, and then I'll pick that. it up. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm with you there. So it's, I, I was concerned that it might be a long story without an interlude. So, um, so there's a little boy who was growing up on a, on a farm. He gets up one morning before anyone wakes up, grabs a, a biscuit and bacon, and heads down towards the barn. He starts cleaning out uh, the stalls in the barn. So he takes wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow of manure, dumps it out by the garden to be used in the spring for compost, uh, uh, for a fertilizer, goes back, empties the stall, and keeps on going. And one of the parents wakes up, sees he's not in the house, goes down to the barn, sees him at work, and is just really impressed. Goes back to the house, tells the other parent, it's like, wow, you know, Johnny or Jane, however you want to put it, is down there working. It's like they're impressed. They're glad. They, they, they slap themselves on the back complimenting their parenting, which, you know, is real. And um, then by about uh, midday, they go back down, and Johnny's, or Jane's still at it, has moved from all the stalls and has gone into the hall of the barn, which is the bigger feeding area. There's lots of manure in there, and it's hauling manure out, dumping it in the garden. Red-faced, um, has skipped uh, lunch, continues to press on. And the parents begin to worry, and they say, Johnny or Jane, you need to stop and take a break. He said, well, I, you know, I know when to take a break, and I know when I'm thirsty. I can handle this, and I want to do what I'm doing. Well, this kid's going to wind up keeping his last nickel. I mean, going to keep the first nickel he ever made and add to him, and he's going to be a corporate executive, or he's going to be a, she's going to be president of some great company. And finally, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, the parents are worried. They think Johnny may have an obsessive compulsive disorder or <laughs> some type of uh, uh, sickness and uh, can't stop what he's doing and go and get some of the neighbors to come over and they convene about uh, evening and sit down underneath the, the uh, locust trees around the barn. You know, always locust trees around barns, wild locusts. They sit down and say, Johnny, you need to come here. So he finally goes over and sits down a little bit impatiently, even though he's tired and he's red-faced and he seems... Um, very alive. And finally, one of the neighbors says, now, Johnny, uh, Jane, we, we need to know what you're doing. That, uh, you need to stop. And uh, we, what are you doing, Johnny? You, 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 kept, you kept on all day. Uh, we're worried. He said, well, you know, with this much manure in that barn, I'm, I figure there has to be a pony somewhere. <laughs> And uh, which is the, okay, that's the punchline, right? right. So <laughs> you could have told it better, of course, but anyway. No, but it, it does speak to, that little story speaks to children hope really well. Yes. And they hope out loud yes. really well. And even they may connect things that don't seem to be connected. Mm -hmm. And one of the neighbors laughs and the parents look relieved. Oh, 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 it's time for this child to be introduced to reality. <laughs> and so they laugh. They say, now, you know, Jane, Johnny, I know you need to know there's no pony. And the child sort of looks at him and uh, stands up, goes back into the hall of the barn. After all the manure is gone, 
takes a shovel and starts digging in the dirt. And they're right back to their concerns. And they go to him into the hall of barn and they say, you know, what are you doing? He said, well, there may not be a pony, but there better be a pearl. And the point is, he had to decide as how I made right on, okay, uh, I'm the one who has faith. Reality is true, but the truth is that I have something in me that trumps reality, mm-hmm. that I'm made to hope, and I'm not going to stop mm-hmm. no matter what you say. Now, that's a parable or a fantasy, kind of like the movie August Rush, which is, you know, the guy's kid, little kids in search of his parents and finds them. Um, the point isn't that that happens. The point is that he continued to hope and believe mm-hmm. in spite of reality, mm-hmm. that uh, hope is true and not to be given up on, even though it may take us to places that aren't as fulfilling as we wished, but there's something there for us to keep us going. Mm-hmm. And thrivers keep hoping. In fact, Phil, hope is so powerful. I've been doing this experiment for, gosh, I bet 20 years now. Uh, I ask people, say, okay, you're in the middle of the ocean. You're a thousand miles from all land masses. You're not a Navy SEAL. You don't know how to tread water like a rat for three days or for days, okay? Mm-hmm. In spite of your hope, you, you know, you're, you're stuck there. No plankton bed is going to float by that you can climb on almost like a landmass. No whale is going to swallow you like Jonah and spit you out. No poor pie are going to come by like a cartoon and you hook to their fins and they take you to the special place. No National Guard, no rescue operation, no boats, no cruise ship. You get the picture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the picture is, and these are 10-foot swells too. This isn't just a, a little smooth little body mm-hmm. of water. It's not a swimming pool. It's an ocean uh, far away from everything. Now, we know that reality says something, and reality is going to have its way. No question about it, right? Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen? They're the person. Make, they're going to make it. Yeah. And see, we even have a hard time saying they're not going to make it. They're not going to make what? We say they're going to die. They're going to die. And no matter how many people I've asked to go through this, what are you saying inside yourself about that condition that you're in? Fact is, you're going to die. But you know what? There's something else going on with every group of people I talk to. In spite of reality, they say, but something might happen. Something might occur. And all of those creatures, uh, all those creatures, all of those people, all of those people, what they're saying is that there's something in me that can't give up. Mm -hmm. And that's cellular, Phil. Mm -hmm. Even a person who goes out to commit suicide, you know, swims out into the ocean to the the distance they can't get back, and they go underwater, the cells of the organism of life— protest. Mm-hmm. The lungs attempt to push the water away. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the body itself thrashes in its own hope to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, survival, but survival, the purpose of survival is to get to a place of thriving, to survive until hope returns. And we make the huge mistake, understandable, to me it's completely understandable, that we become survivors instead of thrivers because our past experiences have told us that hope is foolishness. And, you know, think about some of the sayings about hope, right? Like uh, the big one, don't get your hopes up, uh-huh. and then, you know, that way you won't have to feel. Yeah. Or you won't be disappointed, yeah. or you won't look foolish. And, 
you know, so much of our lives, I mean, you've got story after story about continuing to hope and then promising yourself afterwards you wouldn't do it again, mm-hmm. you know, because you moved from town to town to town. And how hard was it to keep hope going? Yeah. Well, the simple answer is, is very, and the <laughs> other answer was it was so hard, it, yet it wouldn't go away. That started my my trip down that, that eventually got me through the doors of AA. Yeah, <laughs> and to the doors back into living. And, uh-huh. and, and I say in those rooms or in those counseling offices or in that place where we a mentor steps in, a caregiver steps in, regardless of what that organization or, or, or opportunity is, it's like somebody pulled us out of the tank of water that the experimenter was using, mm-hmm. petted us for a minute, Mm-hmm. Before we went back in, yeah. and we could swim for days. Yeah. Um, so all of us who are still alive still have the opportunity to, to thrive. We're made for it, and survival's not enough because when life really hits and we're survivors, we'll sink. Yeah, we won't make it. We will do something to harm ourselves to have control instead of crying out, reaching out, and taking in the help that is available to us to save us so we can have hope alive. And the only way that happens is if we just keep swimming. Yeah. You know, in, in, in recovery, we hear the phrase over and over again, uh, don't quit, wait, wait five minutes, five minutes before the miracle occurs. Uh-huh. And the miracle is something happens to touch us, reach out towards us, some little flicker of light we see in the dark, somebody's email, a text, but we have to be available to it by swimming to see it when it comes, right? And what you're describing, what we've been describing, is not a white knuckle, hang in there, uh-huh. just just act like it before it comes. It's mm-hmm. not that kind of thing. It's a deep, from this well we're talking about, APGAR, childhood, uh, addictive processes, shortcuts show up, and it's that movement toward life in recovery, as we yes. call it, that gets us to not the white knuckle, but just the real life, like hope. Yeah, recovering from surviving uh-huh. and doing everything we can to avoid having to be in need and return to thriving, which starts with hoping again, in spite of past experiences, until hoping again proves or finds new experiences to give us a reason for it. Yeah. In other words, we're not crazy to have it. And you know, in the spiritual root system, the, the number one thing that happens to people who become survivors is that every survivor on some level is practicing some form of escaping hope, hopelessness, mm-hmm. hoping less. Yep. And I'm telling you, there's a great strength in um, rendering ourselves with less hope. I mean, we, oh, yeah. We, yeah, we become strong against mm-hmm. instead of strong for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really quite tragic. And, and you know, it, 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 even the practice of hopelessness, Stoicism, a religion, is built on uh, the highest form, the highest fulfillment in this religion is to actually become apathetic towards hope. That's strength. All the way down to our redneck aphorisms that say, uh, hey, man, what goes around comes around. Uh, don't cry over spilled milk. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Ain't going to matter no way. Ain't going to matter no way. Or, uh, uh, hey, man, 
you know, it's always, hey, man. Yeah. And he, he, we've got a, 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 a thousand. I can't run out the big dogs, man. Get on, the, on porch. the porch. Yeah. Can't take the heat. Get out of the kitchen. In other words, if you're not tough enough uh, to survive, then mm-hmm. you're not a part of this deal. And, and thrivers say, no, I'm not participating in that. Mm-hmm. I am not going to just simply say that's water under the bridge. I'm going to go find out where the water went. Yeah. And I'm going to go recollect my life uh, at this reservoir where the water goes, mm-hmm. unplug it, and start again. Yeah. And that starts with taking the risk of hoping. See, because every time we hope, we're wishing for something we don't yet have which is a statement of courage. And then the moment we wish for something we don't have, we're facing that we are incomplete in, our, in and of ourselves, which means we're going to be afraid. So you can't hope without facing fear. Mm-hmm. Fear puts us in a position of having to ask for help. So, I mean, which reconnects us. And reconnecting us continues to fuel the possibility that something's coming to rescue us. And I say that hope is amazing, though painful, and it is what is made to go beyond reality because it's truer than reality, even though reality is what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. But still we're made to hope in the midst of that. I say the truth trumps reality because thousands and millions of people at death's door, through the course they were following, through addiction, have actually found that survival wasn't enough that hopelessness was no answer and that hope taking the risk of, 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 of taking the risk of risking. And then they learned how to just quit, keep swimming through that. And numerous millions have had recovery of who they're made to be for now years and years and years and decades and centuries. Yeah. <laughs> you know, recovery in and of itself is not new and hope is not new. And it's something we've got to keep having the courage to return to. But it happens through relationship with others. Right on. Yeah, we keep coming back on a stretch. We start wrapping up. We we keep coming back to the fundamental truth that uh, we are made in a certain way. Yep. And any or everything we attempt to do to get away from that is going to end up being survival stuff, and and we're going to have to 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 fight through uh, our attempts to get away in order to get back to. How we're made. Boy, that is so Called true. Recovery. We, we, we wind up competing against life instead of cooperating with life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Phil, we need to do sometime in the near future, we need to do some podcast on really this massive dimensional uh, separation that we have going on. There's self-created versus uh, God-created. There's, you know, I made myself versus... I was made a certain way, and I've got to deal with that. So that, that's that's big in terms of what you just said. So sure. So we'll <clears throat> this end with this. Uh, you talk about you know, how far this isn't that far back as far as human history goes, but back in 1784, uh, Benjamin Franklin. This is a quote from a thing he he wrote. Said, "Hope is an essential constituent of human life." And the guy goes on to say, "Research has borne him out." Yeah, <laughs> true how about that. Research. That's not faith-based stuff only that is if those of you you know those people who can't say something's true unless it's in a test tube that's neuroscientifically neurophysiologically neuroelectrically chemically proven Um, and hope is going to continue to remain an extraordinary mystery because i don't think they'll ever find the gene 
to take it out or replace it or, or give us an injection to, to for it. Hope is in us, and I think it's something that comes from the eternal. Right, that's a great, great way to end that. So thank you. Hey, thank everybody, you. thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it, Phil. See you next time. Bye.